Great to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. I hope that you're glad that you're here. Uh, We're in a series called The Community Bible Experience, where we're reading through the New Testament uh, during the 40 days of Lent. And we've got these little handy-dandy books uh, that, uh, that are available if you, if you want to grab one of those, uh, where we, uh, not us, but uh, the publishers of the New International Version have taken the 27 books of the New Testament and put them into one, it reads like a book, and they put it into chronological order, and there's a reading plan, and you can follow along every day. And then what we're doing on Sundays is taking something that you've been reading during the week, something from the previous passage, and, and uh, preach on that. So that's what I'm going to do here in a few moments. And while I was doing one of my uh, daily readings, I did do my reading last week. You can hold me accountable, and that's okay. I did my readings last week. And while I was reading, uh, I had this, 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 one of the texts just jumped out, and I had this flashback to uh, my previous tour of duty here at Moncton Weston, which is the early 2000s, like 14 years ago, uh, when I was on staff here. And back at that, that point, um, I was on a mission, really, to to learn everything that I could learn about how church was changing across North America, to learn everything I could learn about how uh, preaching was changing and congregations were changing. And, and I, just, I, just, I just knew that, that there were some, some significant shifts out there, um, and I had to go find them. Some things, that ways that people were doing church differently that had not yet reached Atlanta, Canada, and so off I went on my pilgrimage and, and went globetrotting and went, and went in search of all this stuff to, to find it. Uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel from Life Church in Oklahoma says this, We need to do what no one else is doing in order to reach people no one else is reaching. That's good. Um, it's good for us to, to, to be mindful of that, to remember that, that we need to do what no one else is doing in order to reach people no one else is reaching. And I found one of those churches in Dallas, Texas. Interesting how, uh, you know, you find these churches that they're, they're usually in the south and they have their conferences in the dead of winter. And so, you know, hey, sign me up. I'll go there. And so I would fly down to Dallas in the dead of winter to their conference called Fellowship Church, Pastor Ed Young. And I started attending their creative church conference each year. And uh, as I was going to this conference every February, God started to fill me with vision for what could happen in Atlanta, Canada. And there were several times at these conferences when God's presence was so real and so powerful that they are forever ingrained in my memory. Um, my wife, Gayla, was sitting down here in the first service, and she's been down there with me, and, and, and she was nodding along like, yeah, like there are times when we were there when God's presence was so off the charts that we'll, we'll never, ever forget it. You, you, just, you just leave there like, wow. Wow, that was amazing. And you need, everyone in here, you need those moments. You need uh, moments when God's presence was unmistakable and it, and it becomes unforgettable for you. That uh, you just kind of remember where you were and what was going on when you, when, when you had, uh, you know, those, those moments. So there was one message, one particular year at this uh, Creative Church Conference that I'll never forget. And as I was doing my reading last week, this just jumped off the pages and actually was on page 23. If you've got your little book with you this morning, you can turn to page 23. And I'm reading along and all of a sudden I can hear Bishop T.D. Jakes preaching this in my, in my head. Now, go ahead and look him up this afternoon. I am not Bishop T.D. Jakes. And, and I, I, you know, 
I can't, I'm not even going to try to impersonate him. I won't use the whole stage here. I'll probably use like four square feet this morning. Uh, it's really easy for the guys up in the booth to follow me with lights because I don't move. And uh, I don't need to have a towel in my hand to wipe the sweat off my face. And I don't have somebody playing the keyboards, you know, back there. When it, you know, let it build and as I'm preaching and the music builds and all that. I'm not going to whip you into a frenzy. I'm not going to spit all over the first three rows. I'm not Bishop Jakes. But, but his words, they just, they, just, they just came back to me. And, and I knew right away this is where we needed to go this morning. And, uh, and, and now that we've done one service, yeah, I can confirm this is exactly uh, the message that we needed to, uh, to, to hear this morning. So it's Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. And then a little later on, we're going to skip over to Luke 24. And uh, the Luke 9 text is page 23, as I mentioned in the, the other book. Okay. Are you ready? Completely confused? Okay. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men plus the women and children, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. But Jesus said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. If you come to God with a need, he won't send you away hungry. If you're here this morning and you, you desperately need something from God, Maybe you came searching. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you came dragging their skid marks across the parking lot and through the lobby. Maybe there's, there's something in your life where you, you know right away. You're like, yeah, I, I desperately have a need. God won't send you away hungry. He satisfies. He provides. But the disciples wanted to Send the crowd away. Shoo, shoo. Go home. Go away. The disciples, because we're human, right? We're we're wired for self-preservation. Disciples are thinking, hey, if all these people stay, I might go hungry. I know what we've got. And I don't want to go hungry, so let's get rid of these people. There might not be enough to go around. It's easier just just to block them out. Crowds are messy. Crowds have needs. We can be in, in self-preservation mode with our resources. You know, it's, 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 we're like the, uh, like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. You can do that with your stuff, right? It's all mine. Or you can be in self-preservation mode with, with your faith, with our relationship with Jesus. We can turn in on ourselves and focus on our needs 
and forget that there are thousands of people right outside our door who desperately need Jesus. If, if you let a church drift, it'll, it'll, it'll focus in on itself. Churches have to be intentional and diligent about, about constantly focusing on people who aren't here. Right? The reason we exist is for people who aren't here yet. And so we can't turn in on ourselves and focus on ourselves. We've got to remember that there are thousands of people right outside our door who desperately need Jesus. This is one of the reasons why I like to go and, and study at Starbucks. I go there. I don't live there. I'm not there every day of the week, but I'll go there uh, later in the week, work on my sermon. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of the crowds and the people who need Jesus. It also helps me bump into some of you because you never come by my office just to say hello. And so at least at Starbucks, I get to, get to talk to people. And, and there's people, frankly, who I'm meeting there who, are, who, who need Jesus. And uh, so that's good too. The disciples are concerned with the cost and the challenge of feeding all these people. They're thinking of the logistics, which is makes you wonder because the disciples were living with Jesus. They were traveling with Jesus. They'd already seen him do, you know, multiple mind-blowing miracles. But they lacked the faith in that moment to believe that God could do it again. And my prayer for us this morning, Moncton Wesley, is that past miracles won't be enough for us. That the, the things that we've already seen God do, that we won't stay there, that we won't, you know, try to live off the fumes of the past forever, but that those, those past miracles will fuel the faith right now and cause us to believe that anything is possible and that if God wants to bring hundreds or thousands of messy, hungry people to our doors, that we won't see those people as a strain on our resources, but rather as an answer to prayer. Now, thank you. Massive outreach is always costly. Who is going to pay for all this? You are. Who, who's going to fund this deal while all these new messy people come through our doors with their needs and, and, and they, they take some while, a while to catch on to giving and understanding tithing. Tithing is 10%. Like, what? You know, like it takes, takes people a long time to, to, to catch on to that. It's still take, it's taken some of you years and you still haven't caught on to that. He says jokingly, nervously. Who's going to pay? Who's, you are. You're, you are. You're, you're going to fund this deal of, of reaching hundreds or thousands or whoever, however many God gives us of, of individuals, people who desperately need Jesus Christ. The disciples had more than a lack of resources. They had a lack of faith. Faith is believing before seeing. And it's, it's easy to believe after you see. Anybody can do that. Um, we're in a season here at Moncton Wesleyan where we've got two months left of the church year. The Wesleyan world's a little wacky. And anyway, it ends April 30th. And so we're on the home stretch, a couple of months left. And we need to, we, well, frankly, we need miracles to finish, uh, to break even financially. And so I'm just, I, I need to be up front with us on all of this. And I'm going to be, and I'm believing for a miracle that we can't see right now. 
I'm believing that, that God is going to ask us to look at what we have, to look at our loaves and our fish, whatever it is that we have. He's going to ask us to look at that and be willing to, to give it to him that we might see people, individuals fed by Jesus Christ. Now, we're trying, you know, I, I hate when I have to come out and say, like, we're trying to break even and all that sort of, I, I don't like that language. Because what I really want you to, to hear and know and understand is everything that we do around here is, 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 is trying to reach that next person with the message of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And so when you give, when you give, you're investing in a vision. You're, you're, when you see someone come to Jesus, like last Sunday in first service, there were people who, who, who said they accepted Christ. In second service last Sunday, there were a bunch of people who said they accepted Christ. When you see that, that's, that's really where your money is going. Right? You're funding the vision here uh, of reaching our city for Jesus Christ. So I know you want us to be responsible. And if there's a need, then we all need to know about it. And so I just, I'm going to keep this on the front burner for a couple of months. And um, I'll be careful around Easter because we're all going to go big on inviting people for Easter. And uh, we'll have to be careful around that because I don't want all your friends to, you know, think what we're all thinking right now. Okay. Let's go back to our text. Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He took it and he broke it and he gave it. He took it and he broke it and he gave it. And what if there's more to that? What if that's loaded? What if there's something in that sequence that we're supposed to see? Now we're skipping over to Luke chapter 24. You just got to skip. Everybody skipping? Skip, 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 skip. Over to Luke chapter 24. This is after the resurrection. And Luke says that there were a couple of guys walking outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus comes alongside them and starts to walk with them. But he, he hides his identity so they don't realize right away that it's Jesus. It's just some guy who's joined the, the, the walk and, and down they go. Which would be really cool if you could do that. If you could just pull up alongside somebody and they didn't know it was you and you could find out what they really thought about you. Uh, we've got someone on staff who's constantly hiding their identity. They do it all the time. It's Liz, Liz Hoyt, but she's usually wearing an Avengers mask or something like that. And so Jesus pulls up alongside these guys and he's walking with them and they don't know that it's Jesus. And they're talking about the events surrounding the, the past few days and, and, and everything that had happened to Jesus. They're talking about how he was taken into custody, how he was unfairly tried, accused, convicted, sent to be crucified, dragging his cross through town, nailed to his cross and left hanging to die between two thieves. And that he dies on a cross, and then his body is, is taken off the cross, and he gets sealed behind a borrowed tomb. And they're walking, and they're going over all the details of this. And Jesus says to them, hey, hey guys, what are you talking about? And they look at him like, like where have you been? Like, have you been under a, a, hiding under a rock somewhere? Where Jesus, you know, actually... I was kind of hiding behind a rock. But anyhow, so they tell Jesus about Jesus 
but they don't know that it's Jesus that they're talking to. And it makes me wonder if we, if we are aware of the times when God comes beside us and he walks with us. I think sometimes God does that. We're, we're unaware. Luke said that these guys were dragging their faces because of everything that had happened. And God steps into their sorrow. He steps into their pain. And, and he helps them to, to, you know, to get it all out and to, and to process all of this, to discuss the things that were, that were weighing them down. And sometimes we talk about God without talking to God. Sometimes we miss the very things that God has put into our lives to remind us that, that he's with us, that he sees us, that he hears us, that he understands what we're going through. He knows what we're going through and he wants to walk through our pain with us. So they're walking and they're talking. And then, and then it comes out, the point part comes out where they're, they're, they're grieving that uh, not, not only did all this stuff happen to Jesus, but some friends of ours went to, to the tomb and, and now, he's, now the body's missing. So they're grieving that there's, that there's not even a body anymore. They were alarmed by a missing body and Jesus was alarmed by their missing faith. So they're walking and they're talking. Eventually they get to a point where Jesus just peels off and he's just, he's going a different direction. And they're like, hey, 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 hey. And it just, they just part. And so Luke says that these guys were like, no, hey, they, stay with us. They still don't know who it is, but they plead with them and they beg with them. Come on, come on, come on. You can't leave us now. You can't leave us now. Stay with us. Let's go a little further and uh, let's, let's at least have dinner. The day's late. Let's at least, you know, the three of us have dinner together. And then after dinner, you can go your own way if you want. And that's where we're going to pick it up now. Luke chapter 24. And going to read verses 30 and 31. Luke says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke it. And began to give it to them. And then... Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. There it is again. The same pattern where, from Luke chapter 9, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men and women and children with uh, a few breadsticks and a can of sardines. Here, here's that same sequence, the same pattern. He took it, and he broke it, and he gave it. He took it, and he broke it, and he gave it. And when Jesus takes the bread with these guys on the, on the road to Emmaus that night, and he breaks it, and, and he gives it to them, there was something in that sequence that opened their eyes, and all of a sudden they realized, it's you, it's Jesus, it's, it's the uh, resurrected Savior, it's God, you've been with us all along, and they could see Jesus clearer than they could ever see him before. I was thinking back to times in my own life where God took me, and he broke me. And then he gave me. And I was thinking about how hard those times were. And, and frankly, I was thinking about the, the pain of some of that stuff. And thinking about how uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have chosen for those things to happen in my life. But, but now looking back, I am thankful for them. How if, if God had come to me and said, uh, we got two options here. I can either break you or I can not break you. What do you want? Uh, you know, I'll take door number two, right? But times when God took me and he broke me 
And then he gave me. I was thinking about our, our, our first couple of churches were brutal. When we were, Gail and I were kids and kids and clueless and had love and nothing else. Remember that? And our first two churches were really rocky. First one was in North Carolina. I was youth pastor and worship pastor. And it lasted eight, eight months. It really lasted about four months, but we stayed eight. And um, there was a guy there at that church that was a, he was a, a volunteer in the youth ministry. And while we were there, he accepted a call to ministry. He now pastors a, a great church, uh, doing really, really well. His name's Billy Roy. And that sound like a good old name from North Carolina? Sounds like a bag of dog food. Billy Roy. I love Billy Roy. And, um, and I think how God took me down to North Carolina and broke me. And something good came out of that. Uh, after our second church, we, de- we wanted out of ministry. We were done. And we were, we, were, we were trying to be done. We were trying to buy a restaurant on Graham and Ann. And um, we were broken. And now God gives me all kinds of opportunity to sit with young pastors, to sit with discouraged pastors, and and to tell them about the times when I was broken and how God uh, used it, how God carried me, how God came alongside me, how God didn't give up on me, how I I just kept going. Somehow, I, I just found the strength to keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and now I can encourage people like that. There are people here right now. I know this. This is obvious. There are people here right now who, who feel broken. And you don't see God necessarily in your situation. You've been wondering why. Why am I dealing with this? Why am I going through this? Why is this part of my life falling apart? Maybe you've even turned your back on God. Maybe you've lost faith that things will ever change. Maybe you've just accepted this is the way it's going to be. Maybe you feel like God has forgotten you or that uh, he doesn't see you. Maybe you just don't have the strength or the hope or the faith to believe that God can turn any situation around. And I have good news for you this morning. You don't need to be troubled. You don't need to be depressed or downhearted because God can show you this morning who he really is. God has a pattern of, of, of redemption where he shows up and he reveals himself to us and he specializes in taking something that the world thought was broken and he uses it for his glory. If God takes you and if he breaks you, it could be that God wants to give you in a way that can, that, can, that can minister to other people's lives, in a way that can point others to Jesus, in a way that can save others and, and, and rescue them from, from trouble and danger and, and, and ways that can, can change other people's lives. God might break you because there's something in you, something he needs to get out of you to give to others. Your brokenness is your openness. The places where God breaks you are the places where God uses you. And he, God doesn't walk away from the broken. He lifts the broken. He heals the broken. He restores and transforms and he makes all things beautiful. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, Paul says, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Matthew chapter 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Don't be ashamed if you're broken. If there's some area of your life that has been shattered, your brokenness can be your openness. If you're sitting here this morning and you think you've got it all together and you don't need God's help, that's, that's the worst brokenness of all. That's pride. But if you're willing this morning to bring your, your little offering, to bring your, your loaves and your fish, whatever you have, if you're willing this morning to come, to come to God, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here's my life. Take it. Break it. Use it. Give it away. Do whatever you want for your glory. Take my hurt. Take my pain. Take my failures. Take my disappointment the things that the world doesn't see any potential in. God, you are the God who redeems and you restore and you, you take the small things, the foolish things, the weak and the unexpected, and you use those things for your glory. So God, this morning, I'm going to stop wallowing. I'm not going to focus on the past or how I get into this situation. God, I'm asking you to take this broken vessel and use my life to bring glory to you, to bring others closer to Jesus. God took his only son, Jesus, broke him on a sinner's cross and gave him for our salvation. He took him and he broke him and then he gave him. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember the, the sequence that he took it and he broke it. And then he gave it. In response this morning, I'll, I'm encouraging us to not be like the disciples who would rather push all the, 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 the problems aside. Rather push the needs aside and ignore it. I would say be open this morning to a miracle in your life, to God doing a miracle with, with whatever you have, with wherever you're at. Don't be like the guys who are walking with Jesus, who are so focused on what they thought they had lost that they couldn't see 
the hope, the life, the resurrection was, was right there beside them. Give God the broken areas of your life this morning. The disappointments, the failures, your fears. It could be relationships, could be finances, could be health, whatever. Whatever it is, he can take it and he can, he can give it, he can use it so that others can see Jesus Christ in you. Now the potential in this room this morning is incredible. If we would respond to God, it's incredible. So let's pray that God will give us opportunities to tell others about how he came into our brokenness and how he restored us, how God heals us, how he forgives, how he picks us up, how he uses the weak and the fragile and the highly imperfect for his glory. Let's pray that others would see Jesus in us. That God would use our lives in a way that would, would, would lead others to the cross, to Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Lord, just thank you, God, again this morning for the truth of your word and how powerful it is and how it just speaks to us when we need it the most. And God, you're here. And um, I know, God, that you, you had this planned way before any of us thought about it. And you're speaking to people right now. And so, God, as, as we uh, worship with this song, I pray that you would give people the, the courage just to respond to you, um, just, just to surrender to you and to say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Uh, here's my life. Take it and use it. I'm yours. And, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who does not yet know you or have a relationship with you as, as their Savior, I pray that you'd give them the courage as well to come forward and just, and just open their heart and their life and say, Jesus, come in. I believe you're a God's son, and I want to follow you with the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.